Preston, where we isn't it great that we get to worship God together this morning? So yes, it is. This morning we're going to begin this time with a special time of the parent-child dedication. And over the morning, this church will get to be introduced to 28 amazing miracles that God has given our church. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So I'm going to introduce them, and they have chosen to dedicate their lives to raise their children to know, love, follow, and to serve God one day. So let me introduce them to you. First, we have Nathan and Nicole Bell, and they are dedicating Gracelyn Kate, Olivia Taylor, and Jackson Charles. Peyton and Peyton Coker are coming and dedicating Campbell Ellis. Michael and Allison Jarvie are dedicating Ford Charles. And Brady and Kayla Dunn are dedicating Emerson K. David and Mari Miller are dedicating Lily Catherine. Michael and Lauren Martinez are dedicating Beckett Gray. Schaefer and Joey Prince are dedicating Cara Ann. And Nick and Jessica Taylor are dedicating Olive Grace. We are so grateful for each and every child. Yes, we are. Let's give them all a big cheer. And if, if you see a particular glow from right down here, these are the grandparents uh, down here and the photographs that are all going off. And uh, this is something we do regularly, of course, and because we believe that we are a family. And because we're a family, we celebrate like families. And we celebrate uh, these wonderful births and these brand new uh, babies. And thank God for each one of you for your dedication. And really, this is a parent dedication, isn't it? This is the children. They will see the photos, maybe. But one day, we pray the, each one of these children, and one day soon, will grow up to personally receive Christ into their lives, and they will be baptized as a believer in Christ. But until then, we are dedicating each parent as we bring our children before the Lord. Our group that went to Israel this last time, we went to a place known as Shiloh. I'd never been there before. It's a beautiful place. And what happened at Shiloh in, in, in one way is what we're doing today because that is where Hannah, remember Hannah, <clears throat> prayed for a child and God gave her Samuel. And then Hannah in turn dedicated Samuel to the service of the Lord. And so just like Hannah dedicated her young son to the Lord to serve him all the days of his life, you're coming as moms and dads to say, at this place, your own Shiloh, if you will, which means peace, to bring your children to say, we give our lives unconditionally to the Lord, and that means everything we have, and certainly it means our children. Uh, every parent has a responsibility to do several things, just briefly. One is to pray for your children. And I can tell you as a parent now, an older parent, we never stop praying for our children. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, we're always praying for our children. So get started now and, and, and pray for the person that will 
uh, perhaps one day be their, their spouse. I pray uh, for their future, their calling in life. Just pray that God, as I said a moment ago, will bring them into His family personally by receiving Christ at an early age, and that you would get to be a big part of that. Uh, then you have the responsibility of protecting your children. And I know this is a scary world in which we are living, and there are many scary things. But God has given you, Dad and Mom, the responsibility of covering your child, not only with prayer but protection, and that you would guard their hearts and minds and help them to make wise decisions as they grow, to teach them God's Word. The Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I do believe that. That's a principle in the Bible. As we train our children in the nurture, in the training, in the admonition of the Lord, that they will grow up strong and mighty for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's our prayer uh, for you and your children, that you would protect them, and then you would provide for them, and that includes spiritual nourishment for their lives. So I want us to pray, and uh, if you would join me in praying for these, uh, let's do it a little bit differently today. Why don't you stand with me? Let's everyone uh, be standing together, and uh, I think you would be okay, would you, by just stretching a hand towards these babies as a church family, just everyone stretch out a hand towards these children and these parents, and let's pray for them. In the choir, you're doing the same. Lord, how we thank you for this day and this time and this place and this moment that we can dedicate these parents and their beautiful babies to you. We, we know that you are present. We know that you hear our prayers. And so we give these to you as a church family, and we ask that you would indeed guard their hearts and minds, that you would protect them and watch over them, and that they would know you and love you and serve you all the days of their lives, that they would grow up like Jesus in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. May each mom and each dad be strong in their faith, walking with you as they set the right example for their children. And may we as a church embrace each one of these and help and walk alongside of them as they bring their children up to know and love you. We thank you for this moment and the miracle of life because we know that life from the womb to the tomb is sacred in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen and amen. All right. God bless you, parents. Thank you for being here today. Now, I want to turn around while you're up. No, no, no. Simon didn't say. Uh, Simon says, turn around and make somebody welcome uh, here today with your greeting. <clears throat> All right, now, look right this way. All right, what a great day. What a great day this is. If you're watching online, we're so glad that you have joined us. Uh, over 60, 70 countries now joining us, people from all over the world, and right here in the room. We're so glad that uh, you've gathered with us, whether you are a guest. If you're a guest with us, either the first time or a long time, go to Guest Central after, after the service. And uh, we have a gift from you for you, one of my books. We have a free buffet for you. Who says there's no free lunch? 
Uh, we will give you a free buffet down at Main Street. It's the best buffet in town. And we'd be glad for you to pick that up, be our guest. And uh, what else? Just know that uh, we're really glad that God brought you here today. We don't believe that anybody is here by chance or accident, but by divine appointment. And so we're in this place to worship. We're going to hear God's Word. I'll introduce Greg Laurie in just a moment. This is going to be a great day because tonight we're going to be showing the Jesus Revolution film. It's going to be an incredible day. I've been praying for this moment. Yeah. Hey, Greg, they're all in. <clears throat> Kathy. So uh, let's, let's start the day strong with our worship. Everybody in on the worship today? I'm going to sing a new song that I like. It's uh, Psalm 8411 says, the Lord God is a sun and a shield, and no good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Let's sing about that right now. Come on, church, let's worship together today. Put your hands together. Yeah. For every battle you go won without question. For every lie that you silence with love. We acknowledge you in every victory, Almighty God. Yeah. For every promise you kept in the valley. For every burden you lifted with ease, we have gathered with great expectation. Lord, we believe. Yes, we do. You never cease to amaze us. All of the praises, Lord, they belong to you. Jesus, receive all the glory. Take all the credit for what you're about to For every season that showed us your sorrow, for every trial that taught us to trust, and we are standing right here in your purpose as you stand with us. Let's declare it. You're about to 
gift comes from Jesus. I count on one thing The same God that never fails Will not fail me now You won't fail me now In the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out You're working all things out Come on Oh yes I will Take a seat, please. You know, God is always doing great things. 
He really is doing great things in our lives, our family, our church. We've seen over these last weeks and months, even since the pandemic, we've seen a fresh wind blowing through our church and our ministry, our mission, our school. God is just touching all points, Prestonwood, our pregnancy center. And we've been praying as a church for revival, always praying for revival, personal revival. Like the old song says, Lord, send a great revival and let it begin in me. Amen. You know, when you, you just kind of draw a circle around your own life, kneel in it and stay there until God revives your heart and renews your first love. Revival, I think the simplest definition is uh, a new beginning of obedience to God, a new beginning of obedience to God. It's many other things, but it's times of refreshment for the church and renewal and spiritual awakening uh, for churches and communities, and it can spread even to a nation. We saw that happen uh, 40 years ago, 50 years ago with the Jesus Movement, the last great spiritual awakening in America. And many of us, including Greg and Kathy, Laurie, Deb and I, and many pastors, many people have been praying, God, one more time, before you come, Jesus, send a great revival. You know, revival, you don't work it up, you pray it down. And in the New Testament, on the day of Pentecost as a model, the, the, the prayers went up, the Spirit came down, and the church went out. And so what's happening now? How many of you have been seeing reports or maybe even videos from what's going on at Asbury University? Okay, I knew, uh, I knew you were up on that. So I've gotten a lot of questions, Greg, as well. You know, what is this, and what is this about, and is this real revival, and is this a national spiritual awakening? And, and the answer is, is, is still unknown in terms of the national impact, but what we do know is that God is moving among university students across America right now. Amen. And what is happening at Asbury, it just started with uh, a, a, a basically a chapel service and a few that stayed after that began to sing and pray and has grown. And now they've been seven days, constant worship and praise uh, and repentance and refreshing and revival among students, and now other college campuses are doing uh, similar things, gathering together. Christ is exalted. And would to God, I mean, there are critics of something like this always, but I would never put my hand up against something like this when God is moving and trust God with the results. We trust God with what God is going to do with this. But the fact is that we are, I would, would to God that every college student, university student in America would be on their knees praying and praising God and worshiping God, that this would happen on every college campus and, and, and in every church. Because the scripture says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and, and, and repent and uh, turn from their sins, that God would forgive their sins, and heal the land. And so we keep praying, and we keep trusting God. And it's not something, it's sovereign, it's supernatural, it's nothing that you can force to happen. But what we saw so long ago that we are, are reflecting on today with the movie tonight in particular is what God did yesterday. And let me tell you something, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And what God did, in the 60s and 70s of the Jesus movement, he can do again. Amen. So we're trusting him. And I want you to come today and pray with us. Greg Laurie is going to preach in just a moment. 
Greg and Kathy are dearest friends of Deb and me, and I was reminding Greg, I, I watched Greg on television, maybe 1990. He had, he had more hair uh, than uh, Greg. And I was so taken, I said, this guy's got it. And I, I just picked up the phone and called him, and we connected up by telephone. I think it was before cell phones. Uh, and, and we've been friends ever since, and a lot of great experiences. Greg and Kathy have two wonderful children. Uh, one is with the Lord, uh, and that's Christopher, and that's part of their story as well. Uh, but God so uses Greg. He's the pastor and founder of Harvest Christian Fellowship uh, in Riverside, California, Orange County, in the People's Republic of California. And um, somebody's got to stay there and preach the gospel. I know. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, Greg's doing that. Great crusades. Many of you were a part of our multiple crusades here at, uh, we call it Jerry World here, Cowboy Stadium, uh, AT&T Stadium. And, and uh, that's the greatest victory we've ever had out there at Cowboy Stadium in the last. Uh, but I could tell you a lot about Greg, author and his family, grandkids now, of course. And uh, so it's always great to have Greg Laurie here. He's been here multiple times. So he's going to preach. I've asked him to kind of connect in with our Tell Me the Story of Jesus, uh, which we're in right now, Greg, and he's got a message. You're still going to preach that, what Jesus never said? Things that Jesus never said. So we're talking about Jesus as always here. Uh, so let's pray together, and let's pray for those students. Let's pray for our churches and communities that God would keep moving as only He can, and then we're going to worship and then Greg is going to preach. Lord, thank you for this moment, just to settle in, to pray, and truly we want to seek your face and ask that you move in us and through us as a people. Lord, revive every heart. Revive each one of us. May our love for you grow deeper and wider as we share the gospel with others. We pray for Greg and Kathy and the role that you've given them, just even their story that is so beautifully told in the movie. And as Greg preaches today, help him to be right at home here, anoint him for this appointed time. We do pray for our country, for people all over the world who so desperately need you. And may we rise up and be a part of all that you desire to do in us and through us in these days. Lord, we thank you that you break every chain, that there is no power of hell that can stop what you desire to do in our lives. And we praise you because you are the chain breaker. Amen. Walking the same old road miles and miles If you've been hearing the same old voice Tell the same old lies If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside well, There's a better life There's a better life 
If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. Oh yeah. Oh, we've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the sable fire. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. When there's a better life, yeah, there's a better life. Somebody testify. Come on, church. If you believe it, yes. If you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. Prestonwood, how are you guys? Good to be back. Great to be back. Always feels like home, a home away from home. I have to do my special stop at the two spiritual places of Texas, Prestonwood and Babe's Fried Chicken. So I, I did that last night. Boy, I tell you, those biscuits, best biscuits I can find anywhere, second only to my grandmother. We called her Mama Stella. She was from Arkansas, and she made the best biscuits from scratch. But we're so glad to be here with all you guys, and or all y'all, as you would say, all you guys, as we'd say in California. And so we're glad to be here, and I have a message I'm gonna share with you in a few moments titled Jesus, or Things Jesus Never Said. But before that, I wanna show you what is called a trailer, a film clip for this new film, Jesus Revolution, that is showing tonight here at six o'clock p.m. And we're gonna be joined by the director of the film, John Irwin. So this film started when John Irwin came to me about seven years ago 
with a copy of this Time Magazine. And he said, hey, I got a copy of this on eBay. This happened back in the early 70s. This was the last great spiritual awakening and I wanted to talk to someone who was there. Well, I was there. I came to Christ in 1970 during the Jesus Movement. So John had this vision to make a movie about it. He's a great filmmaker. He directed Woodlawn and I Can Only Imagine and I Still Believe in American Underdog. But he wanted to do a movie about the last great spiritual awakening. And what's so amazing to me, as Pastor Jack just said, is how now that this movie is finally coming out after trying to get it on the tracks for seven years, just as it's ready to release next week, we hear about this outpouring of the Holy Spirit among college students in Asbury and now other universities and other things happening. And it gives us hope. It's sort of like when it's beginning to rain. A little here, a little there. And by the way, bald men always know when it's raining first. <laughs> I'll be walking with my wife, I'll say it's raining. She'll say it's not raining, I say no it is. Her hair is so thick, she won't know for days. I say I'm bald and it's raining. By the way, I want to introduce you to my wife, Kathy Laurie. Kathy, stand up, she's right here in the front row. There she is. <laughs> we've, um, we've been married. 49 years, we're going to have 50 years, okay? So we're thankful to God. But anyway, so let me show you a little trailer and then we'll get into God's Word. Look to the screen. Our country is a dark and divided place. But in that tent, there's hope and unity and miracles that I can't even explain. I'd like you to meet my new friend, Lonnie Frisbee, and some of his friends. Welcome. These kids are runaways, most of them. Because I need our help. Chuck, stop. They don't belong here. Agreed? There's this church. It's called Calvary Chapel. We say we're looking for truth. What if this is true? Because everything that we've been trying is not working for me. I just can't be let down again. What I felt in there, I haven't... What if it's good for a minute and then it's gone? What then? We can find out together. Seems the movement's everywhere. Los Angeles, even in the South. It's spreading like wildfire. Is this the beach where people get baptized? We drove all the way here. Where from? Texas. Texas. I don't know if any of this is real. I kind of hope it is, to be honest. It's a family, man. So there you go. So this movie, you'll see it here tonight, sneak preview, but here's what we're hoping you all will do. 
is on February 22nd, there's like a sneak preview opening in theaters. It is showing in town. I saw it on a marquee of a local theater. That's a special night because at the end of that showing, I filmed a special seven-minute presentation of the gospel complete with an invitation for people to come to Christ. That would be the perfect night to take a non-believer with you uh, to the film. And it opens nationwide. That's nationwide too, but it opens also officially on February 24th. So let's pray together. Father, we ask that you will bless this film as it goes out and as people hear the gospel embedded in this film that they will respond and give their lives to you. We ask you to bless the message now as we open your word and learn more about what you have said and also understand what you have not said. So we commit this time of Bible study to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, why don't you all grab your Bible and turn to James chapter three and the title of my message, as I've already pointed out, is Things Jesus Never Said. Now. There are certain things that we believe are true that are not necessarily true. We call them old wives' fables. And if you're an old wife, I'm sorry, that's just what they're called. Like here's one, if you drop food on the floor, you can still eat it if you pick it up before five seconds have passed. It's called the five second rule. That is not true. Uh, immediately when the food hits the floor, the bacteria transfers to the food. Number two, here's one we often hear, swimming after eating will give you the cramps. That's actually been proved by doctors at Duke uh, Health that that is not at all factual. Number three, this one's kind of weird, human urine heals jellyfish stings. Now, how many of you have tried, don't raise your hand, but uh, I know someone's tried it, Actually, that doesn't work either. But here's one that maybe uh, you've tried. Eat chicken soup when you're sick and you'll get better. And that's actually been proven to be true. They've done studies on this and they have found that there are medicinal qualities in chicken soup. And that makes sense because I do feel better if I have a cold when I eat chicken soup. So in the same way, there are things that people think God has said that he never said. Here's one we've all heard before. God helps those who help themselves. And people will even say, the Bible says. The Bible says God helps those who help themselves. We'll usually say this when we're telling our lazy teenager to get off the couch and go get a job. Go get a job because the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. Now that's not in the Bible. It's not completely untrue. I have a better verse for you. The Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Now go get a job. Use that verse. <laughs> I mean, if you want to get technical, God helps those who can't help themselves, right? Here's another one. The Bible says, cleanliness is next to godliness. Now I think we all should take a shower or a bath every day and it's a good idea, but that is not in the Bible. Here's even another. The Bible says money is the root of all evil. Did you know the Bible does not say that? No, Greg, you're wrong, it does say it. No, it doesn't. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, while some have coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows, you see. The love of money, money is not evil, Money is not good, money's neutral. <laughs> Depends how you use it. You can use it for the glory of God. 
and you can use it for evil. But here's some other misconceptions about what people think the Bible says or what Jesus says or what God thinks. How about this, God is angry at me and he wants to ruin my life. Now we might not verbalize that, but some people think it. I'm afraid to surrender my life to Jesus Christ because I'm afraid he'll make me marry the most unattractive person and go on the mission field to some place I really don't want to go to because God is angry at me and he is out to ruin my life. And maybe when you're young you might think this and I want you to know that is completely false. The fact of the matter is God is not angry at you. God is not mad at you. God is mad about you. He loves you and his plan for you is better than your plan for yourself. First John 3, 1 says, look what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called God's children. The Lord says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. If that verse said, God speaking, I know the single thought I had for a moment about you, says the Lord, I'd be happy with that. Well, God Almighty had a single thought, but that's not what it says. God says, I know the thoughts, plural, more than one. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Well, wait, are these good or bad thoughts? Ah, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So here's another version of it. God loves me and accepts me as I am. Now that's the opposite of the first idea, but it's wrong in a different way. Other variations of this statement would be, no one is perfect, don't judge my journey. I love that phrase, don't judge my, don't judge my journey, man. And the favorite verse of people that hold this view is, Oh, let him that is without sin cast the first stone and judge not lest you be judged. God loves me and accepts me as I am. It says often said by people who are doing something they should not do. So you confront them, you shouldn't do that. Oh, well God loves me and accepts me as I am. Okay, is that true? Technically it is, but let me expand it. God loves you and accepts you the way that you are, but he doesn't want to leave you that way, okay? So listen, you don't have to clean your life up and come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and he'll clean your life up. God catches this fish after he catches them. But having said that, part of conversion is repentance, which means turning from sin. The classic example of this is the story of the prodigal son. He, he ran away from home. He wasted all of his money. He drugged the family name through the gutter. One day he came to his senses and decided to return home to his father while he was still a great ways off. And this is Jesus telling this story to show us what God is like. He says the father ran to him, threw his arms around his son, and said, this my son who is dead is alive again. He was lost and is found. Then what did the father do? Bring some clean clothes to this boy. So the point is, the father accepted him as he was, but then he cleaned him up. So yes, God loves you and accepts you as you are, but he doesn't want to leave you that way. Here's another one we hear so often. Just follow your heart. No matter what happens in life, nothing's more important than following your heart. Another variation of this is, well, 
the heart wants what the heart wants. What does that even mean? So I just watched a film called The Fablements. Uh, this is the story of Steven Spielberg, of his family, of his upbringing. And so uh, Steven Spielberg's mother, uh, Mitzi in the film is what she's called, is in love with the family friend whose name is Bernie. So she leaves her hardworking, loving, supportive husband to run off with Bernie. And, uh, and she says to the young Steven Spielberg character whose name is Sammy in the film, well, you have to do what your heart says. You just have to. Nonsense. Don't follow your heart. Your heart can get you into trouble. Because the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things who can know it. So don't tell me, I have to just go with my heart on this because your heart may actually mislead you. See, God wants to change your heart as he changes your mind. And as you get to know the Lord and you begin to study the word of God, you begin to think differently and it will affect your emotions as well. But God promises in Ezekiel 36, 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. So then when that happens, you begin to pray according to the will of God. And the Bible says and over in Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. This is what prayer is all about. It's not about getting God to do what I want him to do. It's getting myself into alignment with God. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Another translation puts it this way, Christ speaking. If you maintain a living communion with me and my word is at home with you, I command you to ask at once whatever your heart desires and it will be yours. We think, whoa, whatever my heart desires? Yeah, but listen, if you're maintaining communion with God and his word is at home with you, you're gonna start praying for different things. You're gonna start praying for things like revival in the country. You're gonna start praying for God to be glorified in your life. It'll change you. So no, don't just follow your heart. Here's another one. You know, we need to just trust our gut. Trust your gut. I don't know what to do, but I often just trust my gut. That's a variation of following your heart. You can get in trouble trusting your gut. If I trusted my gut, I would probably eat at Taco Bell every day. <laughs> in the book of Judges, it talks about how everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And your gut, so-called, or your heart can mislead you. Well, I just wanna go with my gut on this one. Well, it can get you in trouble. I suggest instead of trusting your gut, you should trust in the Lord. Because Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord, lean not into your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Here's something else that Jesus never said. You need to learn to love yourself. We hear people say, the Bible tells us we need to love ourselves more. The problem is, we don't love ourselves enough. The Bible does not teach you need to love yourself more. No, Greg, you're wrong because Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Exactly. What is he really saying? You already love yourself. That's obvious. Listen, you love yourself. Don't tell me you don't because you do. Because if we took a group photo right now, I know who you would look for first. 
Let's take a picture. I'm gonna post it. Wait, let me see it first. Don't post that. I look fat. <laughs> now let's, let's shoot it differently, right? We already love ourselves. The Bible does not teach us that we need to learn to love ourselves. The Bible teaches we already love ourselves. In fact, if you want to find yourself, that's another thing people sometimes say before they're about to do something really stupid. You know what? I need to just find myself. And I would lovingly say to you, shut up. <laughs> you want to find yourself, lose yourself. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you take up your cross. And if you want to find yourself, you lose yourself. If you want to find your life, you lose your life. That doesn't mean that you can't have dreams and hopes and aspirations, but it means you want God's will above your own. Here's another one. We all just deserve to be happy. I deserve to be happy. Do you? No, I think God wants you to be happy. But I wouldn't lean too hard on the deserving part. I never pray, God, give me everything I deserve in life. God might say, I really don't want to throw you in hell because you kind of deserve that. But I deserve to be happy. Well, I don't know if you deserve to be happy, but God wants you to be happy. But so many people never find happiness. I think they'll find it in a successful career or in a lot of possessions or certain accomplishments or more followers on social media or whatever they think is gonna do it. Comedian Dave Chappelle, when he started to make millions of dollars, said he was not happy. He said in an interview, the higher up I go for some reason, the less happy I am. Okay, end quote. So you're not gonna find happiness in the things this world offers, but you can find happiness. The key is you wanna find it in the right way, in the way that God wants to give it to you. Happiness will never be found if you seek it outright. Happiness is found when you put God first in your life and it becomes the byproduct of that pursuit. Because the Bible says, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. So yes, you can have happiness, but it's from reading, believing, and keeping the Word of God. We read in Luke 11, 26, or 28, and Jesus said this, happy are those that hear the word of God and keep it. Happiness comes from not doing certain things that are destructive and doing other things that are productive. Someone sums it up perfectly. Happy is the man or the woman that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the word of the Lord and in it does he meditate day and night. So the happy man, the happy woman doesn't hang around with godless people in godless places doing ungodly things. Instead their delight is in the word of God and in it they meditate day and night. Here's another one. God wants us to follow our dreams. Just follow our dreams. You know, as that great theologian, Jiminy Cricket, told us, <laughs> when you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you if your heart is in your dreams. No request is too extreme. When you wish upon a star, your dreams come true. <laughs> right? Jiminy told us that. 
I heard it at Disneyland. It's gotta be true. Follow your dreams. Well, be careful. <laughs> this is like being true to yourself or following your heart or trusting your gut. Now God can speak to us through dreams. The Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream and he saw it all come true. But sometimes our dreams can be delusional and sometimes our dreams can come into a nightmare. So here's what it comes down to. God's plans for you are better than your plans for yourself. So I need to come to God and say, Lord, I want you to choose for me. Years ago, my son Christopher, who Pastor Jack mentioned, who's been in heaven now 14 years ago, about 14 years, he died in an automobile accident, and we miss him every day. And if you're a parent who's lost a child, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, when he was a little boy, he was my first child, and uh, having been raised in a really weird home, my mom was married and divorced seven times. I never had a father growing up. I, I wanted to be the best father I possibly could be. And so I have to admit, I spoiled Christopher. I think it was James Dobson who once said, every parent owes their first child an apology. You know, we probably just overdid everything. So I spoiled him. So I would say, hey, you want to go to a toy store? Sure, because I think I think I thought I wish someone would have done that for me. So we went to a toy store, Toys R Us, and this is when Star Wars came out the first time. By the way, I wish I bought those Star Wars toys and kept them in original packaging. <laughs> there were so much now. But anyway, so I went to the toy store and I said, Christopher, I want you to pick out anything you want in this toy store. Uh, and so he goes down to the little figures and, and he's looking at the Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and et cetera. And then he finally says, I think I, I kind of want a Han Solo, Dad. Okay, little character and little package. Anything else? No, that's all. And then he very wisely turned to me and said, why don't you choose for me, Dad? I said, well, I'm thinking of buying you that Millennium Falcon on the top shelf. <laughs> so we came home with a giant Millennium Falcon, that's Han Solo's, spacecraft along with a little figure. My wife Kathy just rolled her eyes like, really? But I think he was smart when he said, why don't you choose for me, Dad? Are we afraid to commit an unknown future to a known God? Are you willing to say, Lord, I think I want this. I think I would like to pursue that. My dream is to do thus and so, but I want your will above my own because I have come to discover that Father knows best. So why don't you choose for me, Lord? And that's what we all need to do. That's better than following your dreams because God has a plan for you It is far better than your plan for yourself. The Bible is so different from what the culture teaches. The Bible is basically upside down to this culture's wisdom. In the Christian life, the way to greatness is through humility. The way to life is through death, and by that I mean death to self, putting God's will first. The way to up is down. The way to happiness is sadness. And by that I mean you're sad for your sins, you turn from your sins and ask God to forgive you and then you find the happiness you want. The paradox of the Christian life is the more we give, the more we receive. The more we sacrifice, the more God blesses. The more we give, he gives. The way to find your life is to lose your life by giving it to Christ. The way to be great is to learn to be humble. 
the way to self-fulfillment is seeking the fulfillment of others. The way to up is down. So we need God's wisdom, not this world's wisdom. So let's look briefly at James chapter three, where James says this in verse 13, if you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. So my next point is we need to live our lives God's way, not the way of this world. Do what the scripture says. We need God's wisdom. When Solomon was a young boy and his father David had died, and now Solomon is ascending to the throne, the Lord comes to him in a dream and says, I'll give you whatever you want. And Solomon wisely said, Lord, I, I need wisdom. I need wisdom to rule your people. The Lord said, because you have not asked for riches or honor, but you've asked for wisdom, I'm gonna give you the wisdom you asked for, and I'm gonna give you these other things as well, which perfectly illustrates what Jesus said in Matthew 6, when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. But that's what we want. We want God's wisdom. We're told earlier in the book of James in chapter one, verse five, if you lack wisdom, ask of God and he'll give it to you generously and without reproach. And we all need wisdom in life. We all need to know the will of God. I find that often I, as I just study scripture, and I wonder what to do, I'll think, well, here's what the Bible says, so I'll do that. But then there are times when I'm not sure exactly what to do in a given situation. That's when you pray for the wisdom and he'll give it to you. Because you know, you can be wise in a way that God can give you this wisdom that is not learned necessarily academically. There are people who are smart who are not necessarily wise. I've met many smart people who do really stupid things. So we wanna live by the wisdom that God gives to us. Jesus talked about two men who built homes. And one man built his house on the sand. And the winds came and the storms came and the rain fell and the house fell because it was built on the sand. And then he talked about a man who built his house on the rock. And the same winds came, the same rain fell and that house stood strong because it stood on the rock and he said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, he's like the wise man who builds on the rock. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he's like a foolish man building his house on the sand. So we wanna get that wisdom that comes from God and wisdom is not just hearing God's word, it's doing God's word. We're all hearing a message right now but the question is, what will we do with it? One final point, and I'm done. Here's something that people think is true, maybe even think that the Bible says or that Jesus says, and that is simply, heaven is for good people, and if I live a good life, I will go to heaven. Studies reveal that sometimes even evangelical Christians believe this, and nothing could be further from the truth. Let me say something that might be shocking to someone here. 
There's gonna be some bad people in heaven and there's gonna be some good people in hell. You say, well, I, what? Okay, heaven is not made for good people. Heaven is made for forgiven people. People say, well, I'll live a good life and my good works will outweigh my bad works and that will get me to glory. Okay, let's just play that out for the sake of a point. Do you really think you have done more good things in your life than bad things? I think you, and I say you, I mean us, we, me, we all sin a lot more than we think we do, okay? So let's be thankful it's not true that our good deeds need to outweigh our bad deeds, but there'll be bad people in heaven. You say, what do you mean by that? Think about the thief on the cross, and he was guilty of a crime far worse than theft. The Romans did not crucify thieves. He probably was a murderer, an insurrectionist, and he probably had killed someone. So he's hanging on the cross next to Jesus. And they're all hanging there, and both of these criminals turn on Jesus and join the chorus of mockery from the foot of the cross saying, he saved others, let him save himself if he's the son of God. And then Jesus gives the first of seven statements from Calvary, which is, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In a moment, in a flash, this hardened criminal, this evil man, comes to a census. Who would say that? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He knew he was guilty of the crimes he had committed. He knew Jesus was innocent. And he turns to Jesus and he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord. So he had already believed. How long does it take to become a Christian? Does it take years? Does it take months? Does it take hours? No, it can happen in a moment, in a flash. Right there he believes, Lord, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus turns to him and says, well buddy, you gotta do a bunch of good works really fast. <laughs> no, he didn't say that, did he? He said, truly, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. A bad person just got to heaven. Ah, but there'll be good people in hell. And I put the word good in quotes. There are good people that do good things. But that's not how you get to heaven. Because Jesus talks about that final day when people will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many wonderful works in your name? And I would add, they might say, did we not attend church in your name? Were we not baptized in your name? Did we not receive communion in your name? And Jesus will say, sadly but firmly, depart from me, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. They're good people, but they're not in heaven because they trusted in their own goodness instead of realizing they're sinners in need of a savior. See, here's something Jesus did say. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Another translation puts it this way, Jesus speaking, come unto me, all of you who are exhausted with life and are bending beneath its weight, Come and I will refresh you with rest. Ah, what a promise. What a promise that is. And it's God's promise to you and to me right now. Now I would assume that everyone in this room is a Christian because it's the first service and you're here. <laughs> and you live in Texas. Isn't this a Christian state? We know California isn't. Now we're kidding. You know, going to church is great, but and we're so thankful you're all here, but 
Every one of us has to make that commitment to Christ personally. I can't live off the faith of my parents or my friends. I need my own relationship with the Lord. So I ask you in closing, are you sure your sin is forgiven? Are you certain that if you were to die today, you would go to heaven? Have you been trying to find happiness and the empty things this culture offers? And like Chappelle, you would say, the higher up I go, the less happy I am. Or have you come to discover that God has a plan for you that's better for your own? If you've not asked Jesus Christ into your life, you can do it right here, right now. I already mentioned how Jesus died on the cross. He died there for our sins. It wasn't nails that held him to that cross 2,000 years ago. It was love for you and for me. And then he rose again from the dead three days later. And now he stands at the door of our life and he knocks and he says, if we'll hear his voice and open the door, he'll come in. Have you asked Jesus to come into your life yet? If not, would you like to do it right now? Why don't we close with prayer? And I'm gonna extend an invitation for anyone here that has joined us. If you don't have this relationship with God, if you're not sure Christ is living in you, if you wanna find the happiness he offers, and most importantly, the hope of heaven, respond to this invitation as we all bow our heads and pray. And let's all pray. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to every person in this room. And if they don't know you yet, we pray this will be the moment they believe. Now while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and we're praying, maybe there's someone here that would say, I need Jesus. I want my sin forgiven. Listen, if you want Christ to come into your life, if you wanna know with certainty that you'll go to heaven when you die, if you want this fresh start in life, if you wanna find the happiness that God offers, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus wherever you are, would you just lift your hand up and I'll pray for you today, right now. Raise your hand up and I'll pray for you. God bless you. Raise your hand up where I can see it. God bless you, God bless you. Wherever you are, I can see you everywhere in the room, even in the balcony. Just raise your hand up. You want Christ to come into your life. God bless you in the back, in the middle. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. Maybe you haven't raised your hand yet. Raise it now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless all of you. Now I'm gonna ask if you raise your hand, even if you did not, but you want Christ to come into your life, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer right now. So I want you all to stand to your feet. Every one of you that raised your hand, stand up. Just the people that raised their hand. You all got ready to stand. Sorry about that, that direction. God bless you that are standing. You want your sin forgiven. You want this relationship with God. Stand up. Maybe you're a prodigal son or daughter. I talked a little bit about the prodigal son who came home and his father welcomed him. Maybe you've wandered away from your faith and you need to return to the Lord. Let me lead you in prayer. You stand as well. By the way, others are standing. You won't be alone. Anybody else stand now? Young, old, middle-aged, men, women, boys, girls. We all need Jesus. Let me pray with you. I'll wait one more moment. Anybody else? You want to make this commitment, a recommitment to Christ, stand up and we'll pray. God bless you. All right, all of you that are standing, pray this prayer out loud after me, right where you stand. Again, as I pray, pray this out loud after me. Pray this if you would. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. 
but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sin and rose again from the dead. I turn from my sin now and I choose to follow you from this moment forward as my Savior and Lord, as my God and friend. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless all of you that stood and prayed. Let's welcome them into God's family. So let's all stand together, everyone standing. Let me ask that no one be leaving right now because we're gonna give these who stood and others an opportunity to publicly profess their faith by coming forward. We always give a come forward invitation here at Prestonwood. Also, those of you who are online with us, many of you watching wherever you are on a screen, you prayed that prayer. You're inviting Christ into your life. So uh, let me encourage you, if you see a hand on the screen, to click on and say, I'm professing faith. But here's what you can do. Everyone online, 74788. 74788 is the number. Text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S. 74788-JESUS, 74788-JESUS. And we're standing by, we're just a click away to encourage you in your faith to help you uh, begin following Christ. Thank you for joining us for worship at Prestonwood. As you heard earlier, if you made a decision for Christ, please text JESUS to 74788. We would love to connect with you and give you these great resources to help you grow in your faith. One is a New Believer's Bible with helpful notes to help you study God's Word. The other is a book by Pastor Jack Graham on the next steps to take as you pursue this new life in Christ. As we close, I'd like to thank you for your faithful giving to support Prestonwood and the work God is doing through our ministries. If you would like to give, text word GIVE to 74788 or visit prestonwood.org give. It's been a joy worshiping with you, and we look forward to seeing you again soon.